0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom focused, gospel centered, multi ethnic, multi class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com.
1: Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thus says the word of the Lord.
0: Speak to God. Amen. Thank you, Kelsey. Pray with me. Father, this morning we we thank you that That you brought salvation to us in a very personal and real way. And that way is Jesus. There was no better way (laughs) to bring us salvation. And yet, who would think of such a thing? That you, O God, would become flesh and dwell among us. That you would choose... To be tempted in every way just as we, so that you might have a righteousness that is given to us as sinners. Who would think of such a thing, O oh God, but you? Your your greatness is, is higher than our imagination. Your goodness is deeper. Your love is higher and longer and wider and deeper and and it's in the person of Jesus that we see this. So, Father, I pray this morning that your spirit would come and that you would open our hearts. Open the hearts of us as your children. Because they're glazed over with hardness and sin habits that we become determined to protect Oh God, I pray that you would open the hearts of those that don't believe, that are skeptical, that think this is all just a big joke. Oh God, I pray that you would give them a a personal encounter with the reality of the person of Jesus, because it's what we all need. We give this time to you. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure if you have kept up with what's going on in Syria, but in uh, the city of Aleppo, uh, I would say the situation, the circumstances became really dire this week. Uh, There's been an ongoing civil war since really 2011, and it's the rebel forces against the the president Assad. And... um, they declared a ceasefire and just to give the, the rebels time to get out of the city and there's debate on whose fault it was but that ceasefire wasn't honored and the rebels were slaughtered. Uh, many women were raped um, and then killed and children were killed in the streets and uh, it's a horrible, dire situation. And in that city, um Many who had access to um, internet gave kind of their last goodbyes, that <laughs> they sent messages to the world, um, telling the world what was going on and and then just saying, "I know that my life is coming to an end, so goodbye. If there was anything clear about, those videos and about those people it was that they understood their need to be saved. They knew they were in a dire situation. And when you think about the birth of Christ and, and what we just heard this phrase that that the angel spoke to Joseph that you were to call his name Jesus why? for he will save his people from their sins. He will bring salvation. He will save His people from their sins. What He is saying is that that to really understand the the reality of Advent, to understand Jesus and what He came to do, you must understand, it's absolutely essential to understanding the salvation that He brings, that we understand the desperate need that we have. And we have to understand it personally. It has to be something real to us, because I'm convinced that for Joseph and Mary, they didn't just believe this message because an angel spoke it. Now, I'm sure the angel got their attention. Wouldn't he get any of our attention? (laughs) Yes. But you see, built into the DNA of a Jewish believer was this whole concept of waiting. and That's just not part of the church today. We don't want to wait. The, the, The fact that we have to wait is frustrating to us. We're impatient. We want it now. And yet for Joseph and Mary, they knew that life was tough, but that a Savior was coming, not just to save them from their sins, but all the ramifications and the effects of sin in the world. It was this holistic salvation. They understood why they needed a Savior to come. And this was the, the, the real, I guess, soil of their celebration because the savior was coming to save them a salvation that they knew they need we should be hungering for salvation as a rebel in Aleppo Syria is hungering for deliverance and yet i think we find ourselves more like uh like terrence young found himself about a month ago terrence a member of this church um, Found himself knowing that something was just wrong with him. He knew it and 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 that something kept growing and and it, it grew into this pain in his back and it became so debilitating it was coming around to his chest and he could barely function, he could barely get out of bed, and he went to an ER and the ER looked at him and said, Oh, well something's wrong with your back and here's some uh here's some pain meds and some muscle relaxers and sent him off. And this was Saturday night, and by Monday morning, he could barely walk. And he went to an orthopedic surgeon and said, I'm just, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And and they said, well, I don't think anything's wrong with your back. You need to go maybe get an EKG. And so 2 o'clock that afternoon, he kept an appointment with his uh, general practitioner who did an EKG and immediately called an ambulance put him on oxygen, and within an hour he was on a surgeon's table getting a heart cath for a 100% blockage in his widow-maker artery. You see, he was walking around misdiagnosed, therefore mistreat, mistreated, and he should have died. And friends, if I look at sin in my life, I typically am more like, Parent's situation than a rebel in Syria's situation. I mean, how many of us really live with this sense that we need to be saved? That we, right now, in this moment, life is too big, sin is too strong, hopelessness is too pervasive, and we need a Savior. How many of us really live in that light and with that acknowledgment? And so friends this morning we've got to do some work. We've got to dig a little deeper and we've got to see why we need this savior and therefore or, or then we can understand what he came to do for us. And the first thing we need to see is that Jesus came to save us from sin. I hope it's capitalized. So there it is. Capital S, capital I, capital N. I was hoping they didn't think that was a a, a misspelling. What is sin? We throw this around. I mean, what is sin? Let's just get as simplistic as we possibly can. What is sin? The Bible is clear that it's both what we do and what we desire. It's, it's definitely lying. If I lie to you, that's sin. That's outward uh, manifestation of breaking God's law, okay? However, it, it goes much deeper than that. It's not just lying or cheating or drinking too much or it it goes to the very root there's a root to every sin it, it goes to our desires jesus made this very clear he said you've heard it said to the people long ago um do not murder but i tell you if you're angry with your brother in your heart you're guilty of what judgment you're like really yeah really i mean that's how high that's how holy that's how that's how god is he judges not just the outward action, but he judges the heart. He said, if you, if you, uh, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you have lusted after another woman, you're guilty of of, of adultery. And then he goes on in Matthew five forty three through forty five. He says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Man, can't we go to that? I mean, <laughs> I want that. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. This is why love is the fulfillment of the law to love God and to love neighbor is the fulfillment of the law because love comes from the heart. It it, it drives outward actions. Because sin comes deep. Jesus tells us this in Luke 6. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart his mouth speaks. So we need to be saved in the deepest way. So let's just kind of flesh this out a little bit more. I want us to look at four things that sin does. And the first thing that sin does, not just outwardly, but inwardly, if we start digging under the surface a little bit and we start finding those roots and kind of going down to the root, we see that the first thing sin does is it distorts. Sin distorts. A couple years ago, um, it's one of these last-minute purchases, Rachel... um, you know is a is a planner she buys christmas presents you know a couple months in advance she's wanting to talk about it in september and i'm always like no you know and so you know when december rolls around and it gets about this time all of a sudden i'm like man we need to go get gifts and she's already done all the shopping but i feel left out so we end up spending more because now i'm ready to go get gifts and uh i don't know if that's y'all's marriage but so a couple years ago, I had this idea that my grandsons needed an electric Jeep. And, um, you know, so I'm like, all right, let's go to Walmart, go to Walmart. Here's this electric Jeep. It's going to blow the budget, but, ah, oh, it's an electric Jeep. So buy the electric Jeep. Well, you know, the electric Jeep, big hit, Christmas morning, a few months after that, cool. You know, now, though, when I walk. You know, Whitney and Jed's house is like, and I told him I was going to tell this, but Whitney and Jed's house, their garage is here, and the front of their house is here, and their driveway's here. So a lot of times their, their garage door is open because the kids are out playing, and their bikes are in there and everything. Well, every time I walk by, I kind of look over, and there's that Jeep. <laughs> and they're not choosing the Jeep. They're choosing their bike. They're choosing their basketball. They're choosing their soccer, they're choosing the tennis racket, they're choosing everything but that Jeep. And so I find myself every now and then going, Hey, anybody want to ride the Jeep? (laughs) (laughs) The more I think about it, maybe I gave that Jeep more to myself than I did to my grandchildren. You see, that's what sin does, it distorts We think, oh, man, we're so giving, we're so loving, and then we find out our real motivations by how the other person responds and how they even use that gift. Sin distorts, friends. And sin is distorting your reality right now. Sin not only distorts, but sin also distracts. I was reading... um, about the new data center that St. Jude has built. I think it's done now, at least the building is. I don't know if they're using it, but I was like, why do they need a data center? I mean, they've got all these buildings. And Well, I, I did a little reading, and I found out that just one study, the Human Genome Project, produced, in that study alone, 90 billion characters. So, like, you know, like letters, uh punctuation, number like... Like if everything was printed out that was put into this one, just one research project, 90 billion characters. If you printed all that out, the article said, it could, it would fill the pyramid 26 times. I'm like, yeah, they need a, they need a data center. (laughs) And they need a massive, massive computer. But that was mind blowing to me. And, and, as I thought about twenty six times the pyramid, and i thought man okay god is God is all knowing God knows every character that 's ever been produced and that 's just characters. Think about how huge God is. think about how massive he is. think about high. He is, if we put Him in that context, and you know what? Sin brings Him down to the point that we can manage Him. Sin distorts us. Sin sin distracts us from the very reason that, that we've been created. We've been created to bring glory to Him. I mean, a God like that that has that kind of abundance of knowledge, infinite knowledge, can keep up with everything, forgets nothing, and knows everything behind and everything forward. A God like that is not a God that we can come to and say, okay, we are going to redefine what you call sin. We're going to tell you what is right and what is true and what is good. We're going to tell you how to live our lives. You see what sin does? It, 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 it distracts us from our, our purpose and it distorts us to the point that we start telling God how to bless us. We start using Him to get our agenda done. We're not about His kingdom. We're not about His work. We're about getting him to bless our kingdom and our work. Why? Because sin distorts, sin distracts from the very reason for which we have been made. And then sin deforms. I heard someone addressing the United Nations this week. And they were addressing Syria, the Syrian leaders and those behind them. Russia and Iran and others. And they were saying, is there nothing that can bring you shame? Is there nothing? The children that she was pleading with them just to wake up. And you think about that. These people, they, they weren't born, you know, murderers and rapists. They were born sinful. But how did their sinful hearts grow to that point where they could be so callous? And I'll tell you how. Because sin deforms us. Sin makes us something that we can't even recognize. Sin drives If we just leave it alone, if we just kind of go along with the flow, if we just let sin do what sin wants to do, then we don't even recognize who we are anymore. You see, that animal that that we kind of picture in our minds that would do this to women and children. If you go back, they were just normal guys. If you... I don't know if you've heard the story about Adolf Eichmann. He was the Nazi uh, colonel, uh, lieutenant colonel. In, in the Nazi army that under his leadership in concentration camps, hundreds, thousands, millions were were exterminated, killed, Jews were killed. And after the war, he went on the run and he ran for several years, but they finally caught him and brought him into trial. And there was uh, one of the prisoners came and and was at his trial. And he said as soon as he, you know, he was sitting in the chair, just couldn't wait to see... Eichmann, He had just built up in his mind, you know, uh, from the days of, of, of being in the concentration camp, just built up in his mind, you know, what this man looked like. And when he walked in, um, this this former prisoner of war broke down sobbing uncontrollably, and they had to take him out. And when he finally calmed down, he, he explained, he looked so normal. <laughs> He's... It was chilling to him that this is the man that I built up in my mind as this monster. He just looks like any guy I would pass on the street. And then he said this. He said, the thought that the spark of evil that is in Eichmann is in me too is unimaginable. The, The fact that I could do the same thing if I simply let sin take me. And dear friends, that is the lesson for all of us, is that sin deforms us. If we, It holds out the hope of life. It, it is a liar. It wants to deform you. It wants to distract you. It wants to move you in a direction that is further from God so that you will be less human anymore. I can't tell you how many people I've sat with after they've lost it all. And I've heard these words, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Why? Because sin has taken them and they've just gone along with it. And so, friends, you've got to ask yourself this morning, do you understand the power of sin in your life, your sin in your life? All those stories out there that you've heard about what other people have done, do you realize it can be you if you just let it? Sin deforms and then finally sin destroys. And we can see how. You know, sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Now that's physical death, no doubt, because of Genesis 3. God said, you're going to die now. But it's also this slow dying. It's this becoming more and more not what God created you to be. Modern men especially in intellectual circles, scoffs at the idea of sin anymore. But here's the deal. We can scoff at the idea of sin, but that doesn't neutralize sin. In fact, the more we scoff at sin, the more power we give it to do with us what it desires. And so this is what Jesus came to save us from. He came to save us from sin, but he came to save us. Capital S, capital A, capital V, capital E. He came to save us. I love this. Once we understand the nature of sin, we can understand the nature of salvation. Dr. Ossoff That's hard to say. I probably butchered it. Name means nothing to you. Probably means nothing to me, but it means a lot to Terrence Young. Because that's the doctor who was doing the heart cath. And he knows how to pronounce his name. (laughs) I I, I called him, I said, hey, hey, who's your doctor? Immediately he told me. Why? Because this man saved his life. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Who is your Savior? You were to call Him Immanuel. God with us. Salvation has a name and it's not faith. Faith doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. In space-time history, God became man, took on flesh, entered this world to live under the law of God that He might redeem His people from sin. He went physically into a grave, physically into a tomb. He physically died and three days later came out better than physically (laughs) to show us the power and to accomplish the power that we now may possess as believers. He came to save us and save us completely from our sins. Salvation has a name and his name is Jesus and it's personal. Why? Because sin is personal. Do you understand that when when we sin, it's not just sinning against each other. It's sinning against God. Because we were created for God. He is the only one that can satisfy the desires of our hearts. He's the only one. That that can um, that, that that can give us the love that we so long for. When we begin to live for His glory, we find utter purpose in life. Why? Because we were made for relationship with God. Therefore, when we sin, we are sinning against God. We're cheating Him. That's why in Colossians one twenty one we read, "You who were once alienated from God and hostile in your mind, doing evil." You were hostile in your mind against God. Yes, Romans five ten. For if while we were God's enemies, you're like I've never been an enemy of God. Yes, you are. Because I mean that's like that's like a, a spouse telling the other spouse, Oh, I didn't that affair. That wasn't against you. That had. Then who was it against? Why? Because you're in relationship a relationship that's supposed to be built on fidelity and faithfulness. The marriage relationship images this relationship, the relationship between God and His people. And therefore, every sin I commit, I commit against God. Directly. And yet, that is why God came in the flesh. It's why God came to live under the law, to reconcile us. We must be reconciled relationally with uh, to God because there has been a abundant fracture in our relationship with God all of us we have fractured that relationship and we need to make amends I, I love the twelve step program and, and of recovery and every twelve step program makes at its uh um, um, you know a, a kind of a final juncture to reconcile with those you 've hurt. now think about that it is It is assuming that every addict has a trail of broken relationships. Is that a good assumption? Absolutely. And so um, step eight and nine of any 12-step program made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. You see, when you sin against others, you've got to have reconciliation. And you're not going to be fooled. You're not going to have healing until there's reconciliation relationally. And so it's the same way with God. We must be reconciled relationally with God. We must have peace with God. And that's what Jesus came to do. All sin impacts our relationship with God. But Jesus came to reconcile us. See, He does the work. He goes out front. He begins to make amends before we're willing to make amends. He does the work of reconciliation. Three things that He does. Jesus atones for our sins. He pays for them. We are in a state of guilt. We are guilty. And yet Jesus comes and He lives under the law and He goes to the cross to die for our sins, to pay our debt. Every other religion talks about how you can atone for your sins. Only Christianity says God has atoned for your sins. He's done the work for you. He has atoned for your sins. He's paid for it completely. So it's not Jesus and my good works. It's Jesus alone, because remember, even in my good works, I can't even give a gift to my own grandchildren without later realizing I was just giving it to myself. That's all of us, folks, because that's the nature of sin in our hearts. So God, through Christ, atones for our sins. Second, Jesus assigns righteousness. When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law. Isn't that beautiful? God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the very righteousness of God. So it's not just that my sins are forgiven, but when I accept Christ as my Savior, when I say Jesus came to save Richard Reeves, then my sins are forgiven, and now all of the obedience of Christ, the credit for all of the obedience of Christ, is put in my bank account. And the Father loves me out of that. He treats me as his own son. He cannot love me any more than he does right now. Why? Because of Jesus. Because I am assigned the righteous standing of the Son of God. Wow. And then lastly, he aligns us with power. And that's the power. You say, where is the power to battle sin? The power to battle sin is the fact that Jesus has come to, to reconcile us to the Father by atoning for our sin and by assigning righteousness to us. Dear friends, your flesh is alive and, 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 and it is seeking to, um, uh, uh, to overcome you. But the reality is, is that Jesus has come in the flesh To give you a fleshly, tangible, living salvation. At every single point, He obeyed the law in your place. And so that now, He doesn't stand far off saying, Obey, 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 I'm going to watch. And No, He stands back and every time we break His law, we can claim the name of Jesus. We can say, Jesus obeyed in my place. And it's to Him that I owe everything. Tony Evans was right. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. The victory has already been done. And now we live out of it. And that's our power. Sin will not be my master today. Why? Because Jesus has has broken the chains that it had on us. That doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but it means I'm going to do all I can. To, to glorify His name and to be the light that I should be. Why? Because I now have power that I didn't have before I've trusted Christ. I have power over sin. I have power over death. Why? Because Jesus went into the ground but came out and I am literally united to Him. And everything that's true about Him is true about me. And everything that, that happened to Him will happen to me in His resurrection. And that is a living, breathing hope because that is the gospel. And so all I can ask you this morning is, are you taking sin seriously? And have you understood that Jesus is your salvation? Take the sentimentality out of Christmas and just look at Jesus. And understand what He's done for you. And embrace Him as the Savior who has saved you from your sin. Do you believe that this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank You. We thank You that You lived, You died, You rose, that we might be reconciled to You. Thank You for reconciliation Thank You that we can rejoice over the forgiveness of sins and over the righteous standing before You this morning. And, O oh God, I pray that by Your Spirit, You would motivate our hearts to set our face against sin in our lives, that we would hate it because it is, it is infidelity to You. It is unfaithfulness to You, our lover and our love. May we turn our back on sin. May we turn our face toward You. And would you make us the people that you have called us to be? God, do your work in this place this morning. Would you give someone the faith? Would you give many someones in this room this morning the faith to believe these things for the first time? And would you give many of us a renewed faith in Jesus? Oh, you are high and lifted up, Lord Jesus. And we adore you this morning for what you've done for us. We give our hearts to you now. And we do so in your name. Amen.